Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Chief Orville Looking Horse. Chief Orville Looking Horse was born on the Cheyenne River Reservation in South Dakota. His primary responsibility is serving as the 19th generation keeper of the sacred buffalo calf pipe, a role that he was given at the age of 12, making him the youngest pipe keeper in Lakota history. As keeper of the sacred pipe, he also serves as the spiritual leader to the Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota Nation, and advocates for the restoration of the Lakota Nation's rights to the Black Hills as guaranteed by the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaty. He grew up in an era of religious oppression, where traditional Lakota ceremonies were outlawed in both the U.S. and Canada from the early 1900s until the Indian Religious Freedoms Act of 1978. His family was forced to hold Sundance, Sweat Lodge, Vision Quest, and healing ceremonies underground for fear of being arrested by the police. Orville's advocacy of environmental and indigenous rights and issues has been recognized globally as a recipient of the Wolf Award of Canada, the Juliet Holster Award, an NGO of consultation status with the United Nations Economic and Social Council. He is also the author of White Buffalo Teachings and a guest columnist for Indian Country Today. Since 1990, Orville has devoted himself to facilitate healing to all people and cultures through several sacred prayer rites on horseback including the annual wintertime Chief Bigfoot Memorial Ride to Wounded Knee in order to mend the sacred hoop that was broken during the Massacre of 1890. The Unity Ride from British Columbia to Six Nations in the early 2000s, whose purpose was to heal historical trauma through the land and animals. And since 2005, he has supported and participated on the Dakota 38 Ride that takes place every December from South Dakota to Mankato, Minnesota, to honor the memory of the 38 plus two Dakota men who died under the order of President Abraham Lincoln the day after Christmas in 1862 in what is the largest mass hanging in U.S. history. It was an absolute honor to be able to sit down and spend some time with Chief Orville Looking Horse and the, the amazing conversation that took place. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Chief Orville Looking Horse. Well, Chief Overlooking Horse, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's such an honor to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and where you're from. Yes, so, well, I am Chief Overlooking Horse, and I am from Cheyenne River Reservation in South Dakota. And I've been the sacred bundle keeper since the age of 12 years old, 1966. And I am a Lakota fluent speaker since uh, I was very young. I grew up in that and, and we were sent out to boarding school. So prior to that, I Live with my grandparents, Thomas and Lucy, looking horse on the Cheyenne River Reservation. And we're just uh, seeing a lot of, witnessed a lot of changes and 
So today, just uh, being a sacred bundle keeper all my life. So that's where I am coming from. Affluent speaker. And I work with many people and the elders. Uh, today, pretty much all, all over the world that we've been doing a lot of uh, work on white buffalo prophecy was brought to us by a spirit woman. Uh, this sacred bundle I take care of is a very ancient uh, bundle. It's over 2,000 years old and the way the elders explained to me was uh, that because it's a spirit bundle that, uh, there's a it was through our, it's not like father to son that people are saying. It uh, has to do with the universe and the star knowledge and the period of time. So pretty much all my life I have been working on sacred sites, star knowledge, and when that's a lot of uh, events that took place throughout that time. So, yeah, I grew up uh, very fortunate to know those times when I, I grew up with the, the elders uh, when I was young, uh, speaking of uh, sacred language and stories and sacred teachings. And what, 1966, when I became a sacred bundle keeper, it was a long ceremony, that four days. And I realized that uh, all of our ceremonies are four days and four years. So, being a, a young man, I, that's when my grandmother her name was Lucy, you know, she made a sacred journey in 1966 and the elders told me that uh, on her deathbed, she told the people that uh, if the people don't straighten up, I might be the last sacred bundle keeper. So that's always on my mind and during that time, uh, at our time, Using my grandmother and all her sacred uh, teachings. She knew a lot, so I grew up uh, listening to her and the elder stories. Back then, and it is today, like uh, they all say that the, the people raise uh, the, a child. The community and I see that because for me I got the elders are always around always uh, tell me how to be a secret knowledge keeper how to be a, a person 
with the goodbye and the way that we live our life on this on the earth so we have a lot of uh, beautiful understanding about this beautiful life and the creator gave us uh, a mind a mind that uh, to do what is right and what is wrong either way it goes in a circle and it comes back around so that's our sacred way of life and uh, believe in that cycle of life the sacred hoop so being raised with that kind of a setting was uh, I never realized that uh, it's going to be so important someday but it is I wish I well back then uh, there was no recording or was uh, the way you speak the language, the sacred language, and understanding that you're speaking to the Creator and then to the environment or the people. So it's all about understanding how sacred life is. From time to get up in the morning. You get up with a good mind and as a, the elders were explaining to me when I, at the age of 12 years old during that ceremony there's a lot of uh, that seemed like there's so much knowledge of the elders and you remind me that uh, we'll tell you once and you would know. You might forget, but it'll come back through prayer. So that's where they told me about the mind and body and spirit and how to uh, be a sacred bundle keeper can't use foul language you gotta listen to everybody that comes you might have uh, your own feelings the way it's told to you but uh, you have to sit and listen have patience so I guess uh Patience is probably uh, very important during that time, especially when the elders are talking or a person of a leadership role. Just uh, have that uh, humbleness and being kind to sit and listen. So, the way that uh, we have to understand that uh, it's all of this about spirit 
But I never knew that uh, I thought that's the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. I never thought uh, I would uh, face a lot of different challenges in my as time as the years to come. But I, I do appreciate uh, everything that was taught to me in a humble way to stay humble. So that's the way uh, I maintain peace. That's the way that we're supposed to live in peace and harmony, health and well-being. So the we don't really acknowledge uh, the Western medicine. The growing up uh, in our traditional lifestyles, understanding the medicine, the others were very knowledgeable that all the medicine and all the food is, is uh, medicine to our body. So those are very strong teachings that that we live with when uh, we're young. So I grew up, uh, pretty soon they're all gone, but I still maintain, try to maintain to live this in this world of uh, challenges, I guess. But I, I still stand on very strongly on our tradition, our lifestyle. So that's the way I felt. What, what do you find that influences you, your your thinking, or um, what are the things that that motivate you uh, through your day and through the work that you do? I feel like uh, when I was having our time, just uh, I go back to uh, being the. Uh, I guess uh, remembering the elders that how strict they were. That uh, they even uh, remind us that uh, you know they told us that they probably won't be there someday, but we still have to maintain the our tradition, our values of respect and love and compassion. So the, that's the way that uh, I try to, if I have a hard time and you know, there's always going back to our ceremonies, especially the purification lodge really helped me because that's, uh, that's where we let go of things and bad feelings, anger, you know. So I just, throughout my life, I just uh, been in a lot of ceremonies, and seen a lot of, and witnessed a lot of uh, 
ceremonies and healing. So there's really nothing more to ask, I guess. Over the years, um, you're you're known um, for your advocacy work for the climate and for the environment. Um, how have those different opportunities presented themselves to you over the years, and how do you feel? Um, what what's what's motivated you to 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 step in and speak out on on our environment? You know, like everybody, uh, when you're young and you think about trying to create life, and but back then, you know. I, what I realized was you know, we, we couldn't uh, have ceremonies out in the open. And so all the teachings that were told to me when I was young that I can't, uh, first of all, not brag about it, or we can't uh, open, talk about our ceremonies or anything, uh, or medicine uh, in because it's about form of control so the elders remind me not to uh, stand on protecting their medicine so those are things that are pretty much on my mind but as years gone, gone by uh, living on reservation is just like trying to survive. I mean, they, nobody knows anybody, but you, know, you can't talk about things out in the open, you know, just so it's accepted you know, for the way it is to survive. And, but we've got to learn our man-made laws and living on the reservation or off the reservation like the state of South Dakota the man-made laws but we all, we always uh, stood on the theologists were very strict on our uh, who you are as a nation that uh, we have a treaty with the US government so those are kind of like uh, early teachings too. And they told me not to run for office or raise my hand under the United States flag, but to live a life, a simple life with, under the Creator, which I did. You know, I, I don't have a regular job, but all my life I survived on ceremonies. And, But uh, it wasn't until uh, the 90s that uh, a lot of people were talking about the white buffalo and a lot of uh, elders were very concerned. But that was after 1970, the Freedom of Religion Act. Seems like more elders are coming to together and we just have a 
at the, I was, I sat in meetings uh, when I was young, but someday we, we're going to have a community college. We pray that someday we'll have a community college. We pray that someday we can have a voice within our tribal system. But that political system really doesn't work for us because we just uh, understanding that uh, there's political system and then there's spiritual life on the reservation. But we never, our spiritual life never really is, uh, they don't look at uh, the goodness that our people have within our tradition. It's all about uh, anger, violence, and you know, drugs, alcohol, a lot of foul language, a lot of abuse. And I, I was really raised that way. I never seen that drunk till later in my years. <laughs> and I realized how much respect they had for my grandmother. That people come and I never seen a drunk person. It was all spiritual. Even our medicine, our food, the way it was prepared was very strict. Women on the moon cannot uh, prepare food. So they made sure that uh, no, nobody is upset or anything to even come into our ceremony or prepare that food. So the, yeah, the, their teachings is totally different. And like, uh, we did a uh, horse ceremonies and buffalo ceremony and the seven sacred rites. Seven sacred uh, ceremonies. But what happened was that, uh, you know, I, I never had uh, the abuse of an environment was going to be so critical. The, the elders talked about it, that someday a great change would come fast. And they start having dreams and visions about the white buffalo and and sure enough, uh, 1994, the first white buffalo was born. So we took it to ceremony and said, you know, this is a time. From this day forward, we're going to see great changes. So I speak about that. 1996, we rode horseback from Canada all the way across Montana to a place called Devil's Tower. Then after we got there, I told people we need to change this back to Matkotipila, Bear's Lodge. I don't believe in violence. I, I, all my life, I, the elders told me, you guys down peace and nonviolence. I don't carry a gun. 
I just uh, try to maintain uh, everything. But but it was hard because you know we just uh, like South Dakota you know just I witnessed uh, the changes of uh, what happened at uh, when it needs seventy three and uh, I sat in the talks of the elders of council I listened to them and but I, as time was on was goes on I I realized that uh, I got to stand on what I truly believe in so the white buffalo was born 1994 the first gathering we had and it was uh, 1996 at the sacred site no the we were trying, almost being harassed, but the the way that uh, the system works together. Call ahead and you know fill up papers and all that, but I, in my way, the way I be, I, I told the people that. We're not going to sign nothing. We're going there as a spiritual person on this on this turtle island, and you gotta have faith and belief, and things will come out the way it should be. And as we got to Devil's Tower, Matkotipila, the president himself, at the time former President Clinton. Calling, so that let the Indian people come in do the ceremony. So that was really good. We didn't have to sign no papers. <laughs> you know, just uh, I know that uh, this is a very important time, and I know that uh, we got to go back to respecting the Earth Mother, and that we shared talks with many other tribes, nations. We went, <clears throat> during that time, we went to uh, Baghdad, 1990. At uh, the same time, we did that mending the sacred hoop at Mendetni. And I was really a uh, I want really peace and non-violence in, in our in, in state of South Dakota. And I sat with uh, Virgil Kill Street and all the Bigfoot riders. Even the governor came in and he, he, we talked about, you know, what we shared about healing, global healing, peace. And he was a uh, very so I'm, I'm very honored and I'm really willing to work with all of you, but what are you all talking about? See, it's South Dakota. 
Then, uh, that was 1996, and that's when I made a statement saying that you know, we are at the crossroads, either be faced with a lot of chaos, global disasters, a lot of sicknesses and viruses. We're going to see a lot of earthquakes, volcanoes erupting, different places. We're going to see earth changes, climate changes. No more animal wars. We're going to see false prophets, false leaders. Or we can unite spiritually, all nations, all faiths, one prayer. So that was the first uh, World Peace and Prayer Day. And we still use that logo or that what I read to you. Uh, still use it today as World Peace and Purity. Because we truly believe in that everything that we consume and we're, we are doing is not good that man has gone too far. So we need to go back to being uh, who we are spiritually and but there is so much uh, that we are up against in this world today that standing rock uh, spiritual leader of Standing Rock. You know, I pray that the, the people would stand on on prayer and ask the nations to come, man. That's who they are, as First Nations, spiritual people. Which they did. And and uh, at the elders, we sat and talked, and that were in that time that the water, that the water is a uh, water of life, and that we still have to. This this is a new norm that we're facing today shortage of water, abuse of environment, but uh, I know that uh, that the Jangdash Khan, the sacred hoop, there's one person higher than the other, and we have to maintain peace for our children, that we have to live in a in a respectful humble way just, just the way I always taught and that's what I shared with the people what would you uh, say to the 18 to 22 year old the, the young person listening to this conversation 
Well, first of all, I'd like to say anybody, young people listening, I'm really happy for you because you could be the next uh, generation of leaders that they all just pray for. Because that uh, seems like the people in this uh, the young generations are more understanding of what's happening to the environment or the food is a medicine to us and more aware and so they that guy I speak a lot about colleges and young people and they were more I guess uh, they don't have no, uh, bad feelings or they respect each other and that's what I like about them that, uh, they, they're open to learn recently um, there there was a change.org uh, petition out about changing the name of Bear Lodge and uh, you've touched a little bit on it um, in our conversation. Um, can you speak just a little bit about the importance of of honoring um, that place as Bear Lodge as opposed to the the name that was given to it? Yes, uh, like I mentioned, nineteen ninety six. The I asked. And the people stood with me to change uh, that name to uh, Bear Lodge because, you know, I speak uh, or teach Lakota language since the 70s and, you know, the, there's a balance that we have to live, learning from the good and the bad. And shicha means bad. But you don't find any word for devil. And our language uh, is about balance. And so there's no fall language either. The way that we express ourselves is like um, even the word uh, love. There's no word for love. But these are all expressions or the way that we live, conduct our life. It's how we show we, we show our love. And we show you know, we talk about that balance. But also when something is good, like uh, what I talked about that sacred hoop. When a, a person says something wrong or does something wrong, and it, it goes in a circle and it comes back around, it'll be really bad. That's where it says shisha, no, really bad. But when somebody does good, then goes around, then they'll come back to you twice. 
So the but this is all spiritual. Uh, and that's the way we speak about our ceremonies about energy and it's about understanding that uh, now a, a spiritual person you got to understand about energy and about balancing so that uh, when I was young the elders told me that all these rivers and creeks have a spiritual name all these mountains, the hills, have a spiritual name. There's no way that we can ever say something is, is so bad. Everything that comes from spirit is good. You see ego, you see animals. You know, we, this is our blessing of the day is the goodness that we have to maintain on this earth and so when somebody says a bad word to a, a, a person a place or thing that it's not good and like even a, a wheelchair you know or crutches you no know, we have to respect that. If somebody goes over there and we believe that's going to fall back on them, if you uh, abuse that uh, that energy or that try to uh, play with the crutches or the wheelchair, now it's going to fall back on the people because it's uh, disrespectful. So, to me, uh, like uh, Devil's Tower is very disrespectful. Come from our people of prayer ceremony. I run ceremonies, I do help a lot of healing, but you know, this is uh, some, something that needs to be changed. Especially during this time when Mother Earth is sick and has a fever then uh, we need to uh, look at life for what it is like the living spirit from the satellite view or back then there was no satellite you look at the uh, black hills called Chesapa you look at the Black Hills and today they put a, a red fluorescent light on it. It looks like an open heart. But on there is a tree. And when the, uh, this is all like a, what I'm sharing is like a, a healing or a new beginning. So when a child is born, or an animal is born with a heart, there's a tree there. And you look down at the Kasapa, the Black Hills, all the rivers and creeks and streams have a spiritual name. It's, it's about life. So the, 
looks like a tree. All the rivers and creeks and streams. You look at the Turtle Island and all the rivers and creeks and streams they goes into the Mississippi and goes into the big water, the ocean. But you look at that, the, from the satellite view, look at the Turtle Island and looks like a tree of life. To us, uh, this is a, a tree is about, uh, it's about how sacred life is. And all the, these are all spiritual names that what I speak about. That's the way it, it was a long time ago. And now today we have maps and all these maps have, uh, you know, they renamed it and that affects the community and affects the the Turtle Island. So the, our way of life is just trying to maintain. So the elders told me that, uh, you know, like our leaders said, that we don't own the land, we take care of it. So taking care of the Black Hills, taking care of Matotipula, now we should have a spiritual, really a good feeling to be, go there and do ceremony. One last, one final question. This is something my 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 father, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, he he had posed the question, and I think it's a it's it's a good one. Is what what is what does it mean to you uh, to be uh, Lakota? For him, it was Dakota. Uh, what what is what does that mean to be that? No, I speak Lakota, but uh, all my relatives are the Lakota, Dakota, Nakota. So the just the language, the dialect. But uh, I'm very proud to be what the Creator made me in speaking my my language is uh, to me it's just uh, we have that life that we live on this earth and when we get done with this life then we go back to uh, we make that sacred journey on that Milky Way go back to our relatives so they're waiting for us. And so being Lakota here is just what the what we have to maintain and the duties and responsibilities that came with our tradition, our culture. So it, uh, the elders said, uh, you know, don't ever question spirit. So you have to always uh, be happy and have good feelings. That's what life is about. Getting up every morning with a good mind, 
and good feeling just the way it should be but today I see that uh, there's a lot of anger, violence, nothing is good but that this is all part of that prophecy that I speak up because uh, someday that that's going to come about and everything that doesn't belong in a ceremony is going to take place that means uh, that in a ceremony we're supposed to it's the most safest place to be the ceremony is uh, it's about love and compassion and understanding that uh, the great spirit is with us in our ceremonies that's why we pray to the four directions great spirit and below us so just the way that we maintain our ceremonies it's good you gotta have a good mind you go there with a good mind then healing would take place and that's basically I, all my life I've seen that a lot of people got help Well, thank you so much for, for sitting down and uh, spending time uh, with me here. I really appreciate this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is an honor. So, it's always a good honor, honor to share with the people because uh, this is a, nowadays does it for this episode of five plain questions i want to thank chief orville looking horse again for his time and sharing his story with us to be able to sit down with someone who is so tied into the culture and whose goal is to help people and to bring healing to the community is such a wonderful thing it's not something i have felt uh, since i was really in the presence of my father last who really has that same that same sense of purpose to community, that same sense of service. And to be able to spend time with him again felt like being with family. And it was something that was something that I'm gonna carry with me for for many, many years and something I will never forget. So I just wanna thank uh, Chief Global Looking Horse for his time and his sharing what he has with with both myself and with you as well. This was something that was very special, and again, um, it was it was really something that I'm not going to forget. I also want to thank you for spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please, join us next time as we speak with another incredible person. 
I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page or Instagram across social media and at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. Well, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an Eleven Warrior Arts production.